Prime Minister goes to the Governor General's office and says, Gigi, I'm about to release some very damning information, but I've covered it in black ink, and if you'll just shut down Parliament for me today, then none of the opposition politicians can force me to remove that ink and reveal the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a cover-up. There you go. That is uh, Pierre Polyevra, who has been quite busy. And, of course, he uh, sits on the Finance Committee, and he has been going through thousands of emails with other opposition members and journalists and anyone who's got them in their possession. And, of course, many of them are blacked out. So what do the documents actually tell us? Well, I think what has become clear is that there were many conversations between the Kielbergers as well as top officials in cabinet, people like Katie Telford, Bardish Chagger, many in the finance department, and of course, Bill Morneau. And what is very clear is that no, it was not the civil service who came up with the idea to give this near billion dollar deal. It was in fact, carefully put together, crafted by many of these people, ministers, Bardish Chagger, uh, the finance office, just to make sure that it was put together properly. In fact, the Treasury Department, we learn, didn't actually agree that we was the only one who could run this thing. And that is something Justin Trudeau has been absolutely adamant about. Remember, we is the only one that can do this. We is the only one that can run a program like this. We is the only one qualified, except for, as we saw, they already had subcontracted out a huge part of this volunteer program to a company in Quebec because, of course, we has no French-speaking parts to it. So there's very clear that it was not properly fit to run this program. Pierre Polyevra is the finance critic as well as a conservative. He joins us now. Pierre, good to have you. And I, I'm not sure if you've heard the newest or latest information, but Global News learning that the RCMP is looking into this, not formally investigating this, but looking into this. What would the uh, crime be if there was one to look into? There are a number of possibilities, and I emphasize possibilities because I don't have any confirmation that of an investigation, and nobody's been convicted of anything. But uh, one, um, the RCMP is tasked with investigating potential breaches of the Lobbying Act. So if anyone were to lobby the government without properly registering and having their identity and their lobbying published online, they could, find, they could end up under investigation by the RCMP. There are also criminal code provisions. I think the section is 121 of the criminal code, which makes it a crime for any public uh, official or government uh, official to accept a gift uh, from someone to whom they are giving a government benefit. Um, so if, you, for example, I'm in the government, you're giving me uh, a, a fancy vacation or you're paying my family and I'm getting you a grant, uh, mm -hmm. That could that is an offense under the act. So it is possible that that could be uh, a subject of investigation as well. Right, that would fit into the to the bribery uh, area, nonetheless. Uh, as I say, uh, Mercedes Stevenson has reported this that uh, they're examining. You know, so it's not a formal investigation, which is important to clarify because they also looked into, as you know, uh, Mr. Polly, every into SNC. They in you know they interviewed uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould a couple of times, other people, but. Uh, we don't know where that stands or if it actually went anywhere. So that's that's the newest development. But, you know, when you go through these documents, and certainly there are a lot of them, many of them blacked out, as you uh, pointed out very, um, you know, 
succinctly this morning, um, you know, we only know what we know. And what we do know, and uh, clarify me where I'm wrong, is that, you know, we may have been recommended by the civil service, but it was not until several liberal ministers and very high up uh, ministers at that and staff lobbied and then crafted and shaped the deal. So it wasn't this magical idea that the public sector said, hey, look, what, what, what we've got, it was carefully crafted and engineered and sold as their idea. Am I right? Yes. Today, uh, we got a bunch of documents that contradicted the longstanding Trudeau narrative. That narrative was that, um, you know, some mid-level bureaucrat uh, over in Gatineau cooked up this scheme to give we a half a billion dollars to run a paid volunteer program. Well, now we know that's entirely false. Uh, the, the idea didn't come from a mid-level bureaucrat. It came from a whole series of political operatives in, in the, uh, politi- the ministerial offices of Bill Morneau, uh, Bardish Chagger, and Justin Trudeau, uh, and in some cases involved direct involvement, uh, direct conversations with the ministers themselves, not just their staff. Um, there are, I, I'm, I'm estimating now, about two dozen instances where the WE network of the Kielbergers were speaking to top political aides uh, in ministers' office or the ministers themselves. And it's clear that those ministerial officials were then communicating down to the bureaucracy. Now, why is this all important? It sounds like a lot of uh, uh, inside baseball, but it's important for this reason. The prime minister's family received a half million dollars from this organization. Bill Morneau received a $41,000 illegal vacation from this organization. If they or their staff were directing public servants then to give a half a billion dollars back to the group, then the scandal reaches a whole nother level of quid pro quo. Uh, and uh, today's the documents on which we were able to get our hands suggest that, in fact, it was the political arm of the government and not our public servants who favored giving this half billion dollars to this group. Right. And, and and Trudeau appears to have distanced himself from this, from what we can see, albeit uh, so much of it's redacted. There's no actual way uh, to know the true role if he had one in this. There's no question his staff was involved. Uh, mm-hmm. At least two senior policy advisors uh, communicated directly with the Kielbergers. One of the Kielbergers actually credited and thanked <laughs> a top Trudeau policy advisor for, quote, shaping the program Mm -hmm. that gave the Wee Brothers that money. Um, There was an email directly to the chief of staff in Justin Trudeau's office. So there is definitely uh, involvement with and links to Justin Trudeau's office. uh, And it's very hard to believe that he wouldn't have known about that. And there were very, um, you know, personalized emails going back and forth uh, through Bill Morneau himself, where Craig is, you know, having conversations, you know, about the family and all the rest of it, but talking about this plan that by then had been carefully engineered uh, and 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 put together um, to get approval um, and put into place. So, so there were lots of conversations that we were told never happened. I mean, Bardish Chagger initially testified there were never calls or conversations with the Kielbergers. Then in her second round of testimony, she admitted that there was a 30-minute call, but she doesn't really remember what she talked about. But these emails clearly show that she and a number of her colleagues were, in fact, having 
very detailed calls um, orchestrating what this deal would look like. That's precisely the case. Uh, uh, she was speaking with the, the Kielbergers. Uh, it's clear that they were working together. They were, were working on an idea uh, that would give the, the WE organization uh, some role in delivering a, a paid volunteer program. Um, and then she then directed her officials to follow up and develop that idea further. So we also know that Bill Morneau personally spoke to, uh, I think, one of the Kielberger brothers on April the 26th, the same day uh, that Mr. Kielberger then sends an email uh, through to the government, which is entirely blacked out. We don't even know who received it. Um, we know that uh, Ben Chin, top Trudeau advisor, uh, was in communication with uh, one of the Keel Burgers and got credit for shaping the program. We know uh, uh, Mr. Thice also got uh, spoke to the, one of the Keel Burger brothers on the very same day that mm -hmm. the, the brothers were given go-ahead to begin spending money. So these are political staffers who are interacting yeah. directly with this group. And again, it's a group that gave a half a million dollars to the Trudeau family and then got a half a billion dollars from the Trudeau government. And I'll just point out that Ben Chin has been a big player for a long, long time and uh, was named several times in the SNC scandal as being one of the people that were uh, kind of constantly putting pressure on, um, you know, Jody Wilson, Ray Bold and that. So he's been very, very busy, uh, certainly in the last uh, a year or so. Uh, but let's talk to the the um, public sector itself, the public service that did this deal and the emails, you know, talking about, you know, don't forget, uh, or the Trudeau family, you know, our besties uh, with the we. I mean, there is a sense that the public uh, service either is very chaotic or very much, you know, it's kind of, you know, the, the, the word we use is it was a real poop show uh, going on behind the scenes. So there, there is, you get the sense of real chaos unfolding behind the scenes. Well, one other thing that was very interesting is that the proposal that ultimately got the Kielbergers their half billion dollars was contained in a document that the PMO had in early May. And they released that yesterday. And in that document, the organization specifically highlights that Sophie Trudeau mm -hmm. and Margaret Trudeau work for WE. And so this is the prime minister's office getting directly involved in giving a bill, half a billion dollars to this group. And the group has an, in the hands of the PMO a document that highlights, hey, the boss, you know, the guy that you work for, his wife and his mother work for us. Keep that in mind while you do your deliberations. Right, which begs the question. There's actually a yeah. picture of them, Alex, like a picture of the mother and a picture of the spouse right in the proposal. Right, which would have begged the question how they could not know that this would be a, perceived as a conflict of interest and how they could possibly not, you know, make sure that any due diligence was done on the matter of where they would have discovered this numbered company and all the other things that seem to kind of just go go nowhere. So where does this go now? Look, the, the committees you guys were heading are, are all shut down. Uh, we've got the documents that they're going to release. Um, are we going to see Bardish Chagger getting thrown under the bus? I mean, where do you see this going now? Well, uh, we there there is a. I believe the lobbying commissioner will investigate. Uh, we now have uh, appear to have confirmation the RCMP is examining it. 
We know the Ethics Commissioner has opened investigations into both the Prime Minister and his outgoing Finance Minister. And I will spend the summer combing through every single character uh, and uh, um, point, every single point and page of the 5,000 or so pieces of paper that we have so that when Parliament gets back, we can restart those committee investigations and really get to the bottom of this. I think by that time, we will be able to drag the key players before committee under oath and force them to answer questions that so Canadians have the truth. Which then suggests that your your particular party will not vote against the throne speech. Um, you know, is the intention then to keep this government going as long as possible to make sure that this all gets out? Well, we'll have a new leader within a week, and that leader will want to uh, decide that, so I'm not going to speak for the, that person. Um, but, uh, I, you know, we, we do think it's superior for the Canadian people to know what happened here before they render a judgment. It's, it's like saying, should the, ver- should the jury in a trial have all the information before they render their verdict? Of course they should. We think so, too. Well, it's certainly uh, going to keep you busy. Uh, lots of reading for you to do, aside from those black pages. And um, we will continue to watch the drip of this story as it comes out. I appreciate your time tonight. I know you've had a busy time, but I do appreciate your insight. Great to be with you, Alex. That is finance critic Pierre Polyevra, and he will not be the leader of the party when it is announced on Sunday. Lots of people asking, why can't he run? I know, I know. I've asked the question myself, but nonetheless. Um, So we will find out. There's no question. There is lots more to come out. And why is it a scandal? Well, we're talking about a lot of money. You know, it was a near billion dollars, and then it's a half billion dollars. You know, the, the Kilbergers were given tens of millions of dollars, which they have not yet returned in full. So where's that? I mean, there and there's that numbered company. So there's lots to look into. And so I certainly hope the RCMP, you know, gives this more than a flash in the pan kind of look. It would be nice. Alex Pearson with you here on this Wednesday. And uh, we'll be back here on Point. You're listening to Global News Radio. Well, I go with the, uh, the experts at Sick Kids. They're the ones who didn't recommend masks. They said they'd be fiddling around with the masks. And, you know, I had four girls. I know when they were little, you know, when they're four years old, five years old, you know, it's, it's hard to keep the mask on them. But again, we'll, we'll be there. We'll support the board if that's what they want to do. But keeping a mask on a JK or senior kindergarten might be difficult, but we'll support it. That's Premier Ford responding to the TDSB, which has voted to make all kids wear masks. And of course, as you heard, I mean, that was not what the medical experts recommended, certainly not for under 10, mainly because little children, sticky, gooey, germy children love to touch their face. They love to fiddle. They love to stick their fingers up their nose, in their ears, in their mouth, wherever they can find a hole, they'll stick it. And of course, a mask is just additional fun for them. So you got to wonder, is this a good move or is this going to add to uh, problems? Dr. David Jacobs is a Ontario Specialist Association chair, co-founder of the Coalition of Ontario Doctors and VP of the Ontario Association of Radi- Radiologists. Hello there, doctor. Hello. All right. So what do you make of this um, move by the TDSB, which I think will give parents uh, some uh, feeling of, of, um, you know, security, but should we be, um, is this the right move? 
I don't see it as being a problem. Uh, the About 25% of pay, parents aren't sending their kids back to school uh, for that age group. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, of those who are going back, one would assume that uh, the vast majority of them don't have underlying health conditions. I would assume that those are the, the ones with underlying health conditions are being held back. Um, and so uh, they're not going to be hurt by having a mask on. And they won't have any problems in terms of breathing with a mask on, uh, although almost nobody has a problem with breathing breathing with a proper mask. Um, so I, I can't wait to see how sticky that thing is after they uh, they they have a oh, few sneezes in them. <laughs> oh, it's going. You ever seen a three year old so, sneeze? Oh, I have two kids. <laughs> uh, it's going to be spectacularly gross. Uh, but, the, uh, but you know what? It might it might help, can't hurt, and it's a real crowd pleaser. So go ahead, use the masks, and uh, hopefully that, that, that'll help somewhat. You almost think it's just better to put a visor on them. You know, one of those plastic shields, they can decorate it, they can play with it, whatever, but they will, probably wouldn't touch it as much as a mask. But uh, uh, the, the visors are mostly, they're mostly for show or for uh, places where you're you're really at higher risk. I mean, the virus doesn't care about a, a visor. It's going to make its way around a visor. If you're going to bother with some protection, the mask is, is going to provide you much, much more protection than a visor ever would. Well, we'll see. I mean, I can keep it on my little guy for a period of time, and then it somehow ends up on the floor, on the ground, on his shoe, wherever. About, oh, they're uh, going to they're gonna, they're gonna trade masks. <laughs> After they've <laughs> sneezed him, it's true. He's so gross. <laughs> but um, there is going to be a real challenge, and, and doctors across this country are, are raising kind of alarm bells, and I'm not sure what you guys are doing at uh, Humber River, but uh, this this confusion of, you know, is it the flu or is it COVID-19? Uh, but doctors are, are saying that, you know, they don't really have any protocols or guidance from public health on what they're supposed to do if someone should walk into their office and they've got flu symptoms you know it's so hard even in the allergy season i was sneezing and all sorts and you think oh my god do i have this i mean it's hard to tell what you could or could not have so they're going to do exactly what we're doing right now which is assuming that everybody has it until proven otherwise uh, and it just it's going to mean that there's going to be an uptick in the number of patients that we test, uh, and so be it. But uh, if you're coming in with fevers, chills, upper respiratory tract symptoms, you're getting a swab. Yeah. All right. There. Yeah. Well, there you go. But the problem is, you're going into the office and exposing people, leaving your house, and uh, oh, I mean, you mustn't, you mustn't go into the office if you have any symptoms. Doctor's office. Yeah. Or the doctor's office. You know, even that, I don't think you need to do that. Just now we've got these telehealth, uh, sorry, these telephone codes. Phone your doctor. The doctor will undoubtedly send, refer you to a testing center and just avoid avoid that hassle. Most doctors are taking telephone appointments now uh, quite happily. So don't go to your doctor's office unless you absolutely must. Don't go to the emergency room if you absolutely must. If you think you might have something that sounds like covid by all means, if you're not in distress, call your doctor or go to one of these assessment centers. Yeah, no kidding. I love those on, on, online calls. They're so convenient. Um, 
These guys are called cynical spreaders, and they are the big drivers of what we are seeing in places like BC, Alberta. And uh, Angus Reid did some polling. 83% of Canadians are consistently at least trying to stop the spread with washing of hands, physical distancing, and keeping their social circle small. But there's this 18% uh, part of the population, and it's mainly males, apparently, that are flouting the rules, and it's simply just because they distrust what the government is uh, telling them. And the problem is we're seeing the numbers. It's a, it's a real problem, and we also have people on social media who are propagating a lot of this mistrust and the misinformation, uh, some of whom are even physicians, uh, and, and it, it creates a real problem in terms of public health issues. Uh, the, the most that I can say right now is COVID is very real. I've seen it up close. We had quite a few patients in Humber. You do not want to get COVID, uh, and these people who are not following the rules, uh, they're, they're putting a lot of people, including themselves and their families, at risk, uh, and I, we just need them to stop. We need them to take this much more seriously. Well, they won't until they get it, and then they might have a change of, of tune. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, you know, BC is kind of the big story maker on this uh, virus night right now. They've, they, the last number I saw was 775 cases. Um, we're behind BC. Does this mean that's a precursor to what we're going to see? And when we see it, it would be in flu season. So are we, you know, bound to see no. these kinds of numbers? No, no, not at all. So uh, COVID has never left Ontario. Uh, we continue to see cases popping up. The reason why we're not seeing as many cases as we, as we had in the past is because we're being much more careful about how we are behaving. Uh, and uh, that, that's what ha helping to keep the numbers down. Uh, as soon as we relax more than we have already, we will see the numbers start to climb. And what we see in BC is large house parties uh, and younger people driving this because they're just not being careful. So we're not we're, we're not fated to have the same uh, rise in cases as they have in BC, so long as we uh, are are careful. And heed those warnings, because if uh, just look at BC, if you want the warning, because, uh, you know, that's what we will see. All right, doctor, I'm out of time, but I will uh, chat with you tomorrow. And I appreciate your time always. Uh, always a pleasure. Talk soon. This is Global News Radio.